Hello and welcome to the Radical News Radio Hour with Serene Saadeh. On this show, we do news and we talk about social movements and community organizing across the Twin Cities. Thanks to Manny Mestas for our show's opening and closing theme music. On today's episode, we're talking about some new updates from the Housing Equity Now St. Paul Coalition's Keep St. Paul Home campaign, as well as with Minister Janae Bates, a communications organizer and one of the creators of a new web series called Mind, which recently premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival. We'll jump right in with HENS organizer Brian Rosas. Hi, Brian. Welcome to the Radical News Radio Hour. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing really well, feeling really relieved and really excited for uh, what's coming up this summer. Well, I'm excited for us to chat about it. So why don't we start with introductions, your name, your pronouns, a little bit about your background. Perfect. Yeah, my name is Brian Rosas. I use they and them pronouns. I am uh, the advocacy manager over at the Minnesota Youth Collective and a proud member of the Housing Equity Now St. Paul Coalition. So um, for those who haven't listened to the show before, why don't we do a quick one-minute introduction to what the campaign is? Yeah, so the Keep St. Paul Home campaign is a ballot initiative um, hoping to put rent stabilization on the 2021 November ballot in St. Paul. Um, the campaign basically is us through a petition getting enough signatures to, again, put the policy on the ballot this year. Um, the policy would basically cap the rent increases from happening uh, more than three, no more than 3% a year here in St. Paul. Um, and it is led by a large group of organizations inside a coalition better known as Housing Equity Now, St. Paul, or HENS for short. Um, but yeah, we, uh, for the last couple months, have been collecting signatures, hoping that we get the rent stabilization policy on the ballot. And I guess you all had some big news this, uh, this, this weekend. Yes, absolutely. So um, for the last couple months, we were collecting, like I said, signatures. And we, uh, the, uh, on Tuesday, we were able to turn them in on the deadline. Uh, we collected over 9,000 signatures, which goes way beyond what is legally required for the policy to go on the ballot. So after months and months of working and being on the ground and talking to our neighbors in St. Paul, we, will, uh, we are currently waiting for the final count, but it seems like we're in the clear to hopefully getting this thing on the ballot. Um, but we collected over 9,000 signatures, and we couldn't be more happier with the results. So you mentioned that you're waiting for final confirmation of the signatures, provided all goes according to plan. What happens next? What, what takes you from this week all the way up to the, you know, election day? Yeah, so our next steps are going to be really get out the vote work, um, hoping to get people more informed on the issue and the policy at hand and hope uh, letting folks know that it's going to be on the ballot, showing them the language and showing them uh, the different ways in which they can vote for it and everything like that. So the next couple months, like, like I said, is going to continue our groundwork, uh, doing some educational work, some popular education and overall education around the policy. Um, and yeah, hoping that people get out the vote. We need uh, about 51% of the vote in order for it to be enacted. So how are you going to celebrate what's going on right now? <laughs> we are hoping to throw a really great volunteer appreciation event. Um, this is a real grassroots um, kind of movement and campaign. So we really relied on our neighbors and our canvassers and our volunteers to really help get a lot of this stuff going. And they did. And they did such an amazing job. We could not have done it without them. So we're really hoping that we have a victory slash volunteer appreciation event to show just like how good they did out there in the field. That sounds like it would be a really exciting time. Uh, where yeah. can people learn more information about the campaign? And also where can they learn more information about the ballot initiative once things are finalized? Yeah. 
So once things, once we hear back from the city clerk around the final uh, signature count, you can obviously, honestly, check out our website. It is housingequitystp.org. And you can learn more. We have research, we have events, we have a volunteer forum, we have a place to donate. Um, so I think the number one thing that we're pushing now is to people to donate to us, making sure that our movement is funded and making sure that we can hire more folks to you know, keep doing our work. But yeah, housingequitystp.org is where you can find more information and learn to find ways to get involved as well. So not to bring the mood down, but <laughs> what happens if there's a problem with some of the signatures? Um, we have about uh, 30 days after we're told that we didn't get enough to, keep, to continue to collect. So um, if we don't get it and we need to collect some more, we have enough time to do it. Uh, we've shown that we can do it before, so we can do it again. So Wonderful. And is there anything else people can, need to know about this big win before before I let you go? Not much. Like I said, just uh, keep, up to, keep up to date with the work that we're doing. We have a newsletter. We have social media on all platforms. And, yeah, just make sure to donate. We're really trying to make sure that we have enough funds to make us through to November. Um, and we can't really do it without the community support. Um, and that looks in different ways, right? So just continue to support us, continue to elevate our work, and continue to keep track of what's going on in St. Paul. There's a lot of really big things coming, and we're hoping that people get more involved as months go by. Thanks to Brian for joining us on air. Up next, we have Minister Janae Bates. So my name is Janae Bates. I actually go by Minister Janae Bates, um, as I am a licensed minister. Uh, I use she, her pronouns. And I am uh, currently, <laughs> I'm in an interesting matrix right now, where I am the communications director for Isaiah, also for Faith in Minnesota, and also newly for the Yes for Minneapolis campaign. Um, so pretty soon I will just be the Yes for Minneapolis campaign, but uh, in this period I am working as the comms director for all three. Well, you definitely know how to stay busy, um, and <laughs> I'm just so glad that you're on air with us today. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited, especially what we're about to talk about, which really involves all three of the organizations in different ways. <laughs> Well, you know, why don't we start there? Um, yeah. You've got a web series at Tribeca. Let's start with what it is and how you got connected and what its connection to Minnesota is. Yeah. So, um, so as the communications director with Isaiah, we got involved um, with a really dynamic group, which is called Rise Home Stories. And Rise Home Stories is essentially it is a group of organizations across the country um, and so it's like organizers and communications practitioners who do organizing and activism work. Um, and we linked up with a bunch of artists, creatives, filmmakers, um, folks who make video games. <laughs> and so we all linked up together and decided to embark on a project um, that allowed us who are in grassroots organizing to be able to have like a more expansive way in which we're organizing that includes all these different types of visual arts and creative arts. Um, and it's also where these artists can start to get a glimpse into the, the grassroots organizing work and we can impact each other's work. Uh, and so it was an incredibly unique project um, that I've been a part of for two and a half years now. Um, and so, you know, two and a half years ago, I had not at all expected 
um, that we would have a, a web series not just developed, but the pilot finished, and um, it would be getting like the Black Realities brands and um, being premiered, having its world premiere at the Tribeca Festival. So um, it, it's an incredible blessing for me to be really a first time, you know, um, filmmaker, writer, creative um, in this sense, and to be able to to be in one of the largest um, film festivals in the in the world. So it's really cool. What's it been like to be at Tribeca? It is pretty darn awesome, honestly. But you know what? It's it's such an um as again, like as a person who would not have originally called herself a creative, uh, in the sense that you think about like artists and filmmakers and and um web series writers. Um, but it actually really reminds me of a lot of key components of organizing, uh, especially being at Tribeca, where you get to be exposed to a whole series of really dope and dynamic people um, working on mine, um, which is the the web series that I, I've helped to create and write um, and co-write. Working with mine has um has allowed me to you know get to work with really dope artists our executive producer and lead um one of the lead actors is russell hornsby who has done you know a whole series of things lincoln heights and Grimm, and was in fences and you know i mean he's he's done a real a bunch of dynamic stuff but um also getting to be at the premiere um I got to meet a lot of the other voice actors from the series, um, and they have—they're legends in their own right. Um, where they have done a bunch of really dope and dynamic things, and this particular project was really committed to and really intentional about it being um, multiracial and and explicitly, you know, BIPOC, and um, and also there, yet like we ha- we are. We're as inclusive um, but also expansive as possible about the world we're creating uh, as we, like, lean into what a futuristic but not, you know, super far into the future utopia um, can be for us. Uh, we play with um, different um, different things like scarcity and abundance um, and the ways in which it shows up even in current-day Minnesota. Uh, and... And to to have all of that happen in mind, um, and then for it to go to this film festival and for people to recognize that, like, this artistry was really birthed out of organizing um, and out of the organizing that's happening here in Minnesota, out of the organizing that's happening in the Appalachia of of Kentucky, uh, that's happening in D.C., uh, and to be able to work with all these different people in different parts of the country to do this kind of storytelling has been incredible. Uh, and it also has made me realize that this is a different level of power um, that I I had not actually considered before. Because in organizing work, we talk about how we have to be careful not to confuse access and power, you know, um, you know, at, at Isaiah, we, we organized the Muslim Coalition of Isaiah, and one of our amazing imams, um, Imam Assad Zaman, uh, he says that sometimes people can have um, uh, sambucha uh, democracy, or what is it? What is this called? Democracy? No. 
basically that people believe that just because I get to rub elbows with a legislator or the governor or whoever, I have power, but they confuse access and power. You have access, but if you don't actually get to sit at the table and decide what's on the menu and choose the chef, then you are you're 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 not actually in a power position. Um, if you don't get to decide what makes your community thrive, what um, creates liberation and liberating spaces for your people, then you're not in a position of power. And so, you know, getting to rub elbows with big actors and filmmakers and executive producers, that sounds great. But if you're not able to say this is the story that needs to be told, um, this is what our community needs to see, this is the kind of entertainment um, and culture shift that we want to see in our own in our own films and our own miniseries, um, then we have to be careful not to confuse access with power. And so this was, as I mentioned, just a, another level of power that has I, I was not expecting to get to experience. And um, and I am I'm really excited that I get to for both myself and for the community that we that I organize. I would love to know more about the what the processes of making a film and web series. Like what what's the behind the scenes kind of look like for something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So it it really was um so we initially came together um um we we kind of did like a retreat kind of thing where we we all met in New Orleans because like I said we were all in all different parts of the the country and this was also pre-pandemic so imagine a world long long ago um and so we had met in person in new orleans and you know knew that we wanted to um, create something and we wanted really to push against this idea of scarcity um that we all are you know consumed with and, and we're told this message of scarcity in a million different ways and it tells us we should be afraid and it tells us we shouldn't trust one another and it tells us that we have to hoard and so we wanted to be able to tell a story that leaned into what abundance looks like um, because way too often in organizing work and even in artistry you don't always get to take the time to imagine the stuff you want and what you're for because we're constantly fighting bad things. We're constantly stopping something. We're constantly trying to say we need to end blah, blah, blah. And so this was an opportunity for us to actually really lean in to the world we're creating, um, to inspire people to remember the why that we do what we do. We don't just do it to stop bad. We do it to create good. And so, um, and so we we decided that we were going to do it. Initially, we thought this was going to be a live action film um, when we started to, the writing process. And, and we, I mean, we met pretty much weekly for, <laughs> we've been meeting weekly, really, um, for two years now um, and creating our writer's room because we're all organizers and artists in our own right, in our own spaces. And so we knew that we couldn't just say, okay, we'll get together once a month and then go to our you know, our own places in the world and write, because that's, it's just not, um, that's, that is not likely going to be executed with all these busy people. And so we would just take an hour together once a week, um, and we would co-create and co-write and co-dream together. Um, and we came up with storylines and, uh, there's a there's a whole slew of vocabulary that I've now gotten just from being part of this process. Um, we, you know, we even took a, a 
second retreat where we learned, you know, what a log line is and what's the point of an impact producer and just a, a bunch of things that, you know, I I have no idea what all of those those words are at the end of a film scrolling through, like, what does this person do? Um, so I got to learn a lot of that uh, as we were going through the writing process and in the writing room. Um, and then once we, once we were really at the place where we were finalizing um, the script, uh, and we had finalized the script, we actually have a script for five episodes. Um, and once we were at a point where we were pretty good about the story um, and were really final on the pilot script, uh, COVID happened. We, we had already hired actors. Um, we were going to do the filming in New Orleans. Um, we were really set up to go. And literally, that was supposed to happen the first week of April 2020. So, um, of course, mid-March, it became really clear that uh, the world was about to drastically change. And so we all went into quarantine uh, and knew, okay, we're not going to be able to do this live action film, and we have no idea how long that's going to be. So, um, so we we did what we always do as organizers: we get nimble, and we um, we said, okay, how do we how can we make sure that this still moves forward? That that the thing that we envisioned and dreamed and imagined together could still be manifested. And um, we decided even with a little hesitation that we would move forward as an animated series. And oh my God, what a perfect <laughs> choice that was. I Now that I look back on it, I'm like, oh, how did we think we were going to pull any of this off in live action without a billion dollar budget? Um, but, um, but we, we, we worked with um, a dynamic animation team called Slothique, um, and it is a it's a BIPOC owned and operated um, animation team, and they 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 would create our characters um, from a bunch of things that we sent them about who we envision the character to be and the archetypes, and I mean down to every detail, like what kind of lines in their forehead did they ha did they have, um, you know, what was their background experiences, even things that of course won't be shown in the film itself, but we had to create you know, entire storylines for our characters uh, and to allow some of that to shine through in the animation. And um, and then we got to, you know, assist assist with the casting um, with, and getting casting directors. And, I mean, it was an entire process. Like I said, we've, we've been a part of it for two and a half years now. Um, but to watch it all just, come to life every time we got a new uh a new edit a new cut of the pilots um even of the trailer it was always such an exciting experience because again this is brand new to me to be able to like really create something like this uh you know as a communications director i'll create press releases all day and you know tweets and facebook posts um you know and instagram but to uh, get to create an entire animated series is is just a brand new experience and a really really cool one. I really uh, appreciate that background. It must have been 
I, I can kind of hear it when you say it. It just must have been very odd to go through this whole process and this kind of in-depth learning and to also apply your communication self to the work of creating the film. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's steep learning curve. <laughs> so where can people learn or watch? Oh, so they can go to mineseries.com, M-I-N-E-S-E-R-I-E-S.com. Um, and now through June 20th, um, they can actually watch not just the the pilot episode, which is about 14 minutes. They can even watch um, the event that took place last night, which was our world premiere, um, where they get to hear from folks like me, um, a bunch of the other writers um, are, and and also the actors, um, including our executive producer Russell Hornsby, uh, and so it's a they'll get a, a nice little Q and A and and get sort of hear even more background about what went down in the writers' room and how we um, co-created and developed the story, uh, and so that'll be that'll be available on um, the Mind Mind series. Um, dot com, and then moving forward after June twentieth, because that's like through the Tribeca Festival, um, and then after June twentieth, they'll they'll be able to continue to watch the um, the pilot episode as we you know push to to get all the resources we need to finish the series to finish the the creation of the series. All right, is there anything else you think people need to know about this project that I haven't asked yet? Um, I would just say the the other thing that um, folks are able to do is from the mindseries.com page, they, after they watch the film, they can um, write how they felt about it, you know, what, it, what inspired them about it, but they can, if they want to do a, a public showing, um, so reach out to us and let us know because we are what we want to do is make sure that we're connecting with community and that community is connecting with the film. Um, and so, for example, I know uh, our folks at Isaiah, we want to host an outdoor viewing, you know, so we'll get up a projector screen and get popcorn and, um, and be able to watch it together and then, you know, have a conversation about, you know, how is this going to impact our our climate justice work, our racial equity work, um, our economic equity work, what, you know, how does this lean into the things that we're building and creating and dreaming about together? And so we most certainly want other folks, um, you know, institutions, churches, organizations, um, to also get connected to the film uh, in similar ways or different ways if they, if, um, if they have some ideas, we're open to it. So fill out the form uh, and we will most certainly reach out connect. Wonderful. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was fun. I'm really glad to have you on. Thanks to Minister Janae for joining us on air. We have several announcements before we go today. I've been saying it uh, on many episodes, but we're hosting almost three dozen community journalism trainings this summer. You can learn more at my website about these trainings at journalismofcolor.com. Trainings are pay what you can, and they are aimed specifically at people who do not have community journalism experience, but are interested in community journalism and want to get paid for that work. Trainings are held virtually, and the cheapest tickets are $1. 
I'll also be hosting several journalism, community journalism trainings this summer with the uptake, as well as with the uptake in partnership with St. Paul Neighborhood Network. I work at the uptake and as part of these trainings, we want to bring people into the team, we want to give them that community journalism training, we want to do it for free, and we want to pay you to become community journalists. Our trainings with SPNN are part of an eight-part series. You can come to one, you can come to two, you can come to all of them. All of these trainings combine the community journalism with the tech that SPNN is just so good at. Trainings are all going to be free for both the uptake-only ones as well as with our partnership with SPNN. And the ones with SPNN will likely be held in person with more details coming soon on that. You can check out the trainings with SPNN at spnn.org under their events tab. And the ones at the uptake you can check out on our Facebook page. This show is also recently picked up by KRSM. And next week, we're actually going to have a special episode on KFAI. You can check out the website for details, and we'll make sure to be posting that episode wherever you get your podcasts. I'm really excited for the opportunity to continue getting this show out there for now, and excited to continue building up the work that we do here. Well, that's it for now. Just a reminder that you can find the Radical News Radio Hour on Facebook, and you can follow us there. You can find me on Twitter for updates on this show and some of the other community journalism work that I do. You can listen to previously aired episodes of this show wherever you get your podcasts. Our website is journalismofcolor.com, and that's where you're also going to find a transcript of this episode. I'm working through the backlog right now. And you can reach our show at radicalnewsradiohour at gmail.com with tips, recommendations, and any questions. For now, thank you all for joining us for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you.